If you'd like to spend some time with real people with a real heart for God, we welcome you to visit us at Harvest Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Our Sunday morning services are held at 1030, and our Family Night Fellowship takes place on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Come experience God's awesome, life-changing power as we worship in His presence, fellowship with one another, commit to discipleship, and share God's love through evangelism. For more information or directions, visit HarvestNova.com. That's HarvestNova.com. Well, we've been doing a series, as you know, entitled Unprecedented, uh, Believing God to Do Something New and Something Fresh, and we're continuing that series today. I want to share with you three verses from Psalm 68. Psalm 68, the first three verses. Now, normally I read from the New International Version. Today I will be uh, sharing with you from the New American Standard Bible, and that's the version we will have on the screen for you. So if uh, your version has a little bit different wording, uh, don't mind that. But I, I wanted to bring this out in the New American Standard. Psalm 68, the first verse, Let God arise, let his enemies be scattered, and let those who hate him flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melts before the fire, so let the wicked perish before God. But let the righteous be glad. Let them exult before God. Yes, let them rejoice with gladness. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. The title of my message today is The Dynamics of Revival. The Dynamics of Revival. The heading of this psalm says that it was for the choir director, a psalm of David, a song. Most scholars feel that David, uh, King David of Israel composed this psalm when the Ark of the Covenant, the visual symbol of God's presence upon which he manifested himself to Israel, was being returned to the center of the nation's spiritual life in Jerusalem after a long absence. We see this in 2 Samuel 6 and 1 Chronicles 13 through 15. I shared a message on this exact subject a couple of weeks ago. David, as the leader of his nation and a man after God's own heart, that's what it says about him in 1 Samuel 13, 14. David yearned for the presence of God and the blessing, righteousness, guidance, and security it provided. He longed for a spiritual revival, and I believe he understood the dynamics of revival. As I've said before many times, we cannot create a revival, but we can create the conditions for one. And conversely, we can also hinder a revival from coming, at least a local one, uh, by our uh, lack of desire or lack of willingness. We need to have the heart of David for revival, and, and hear me this morning, not just for a brief period of time. Now, I'm like you, when God comes in a special uh, move and there's a, an unusual move of his spirit and there's a wave of revival that just captures us. Boy, I love that as much as you do. But I believe uh, we can live in a state of spiritual revival from glory to glory as the scripture says. 
And so I believe that to do so, we need to understand the dynamics of revival, what it's all about. And so this morning, that's the question I want to answer in the next few minutes. What are the dynamics of a spiritual revival among God's people? The first dynamic of spiritual revival among God's people is God moving. God moving. You can't have a spiritual revival without God moving. The psalm begins with this phrase, let God arise. Let God arise. Now David's cry here, let God arise, actually echoed that of Moses when the nation of Israel wandered in the wilderness 400 years earlier. God had delivered them from Egypt and was now leading them through the wilderness with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. The cloud provided protection from the daytime heat of the sun and the pillar of fire provided warmth during the cold night. Also, we know that God provided food for them as they traveled in the sphere of the cloud or the pillar. When and where the cloud stopped, the nation would stop and set up camp and stay there until the cloud moved again. When it did start to move, Moses would sound the cry, let God arise. And it would be repeated and echoed throughout the camp, let God arise, uh, as a call to break up camp and move with the cloud. Now, I want you to catch this. When rendered into English, the phrase can give the impression of giving God permission to arise. But nothing could be further from the truth. How many know God's a sovereign God? Uh, God doesn't need permission. And in, their Israelite, in the Israelites' wanderings in the wilderness, Moses never initiated a move from one camp to the next. It was always God uh, leading his people forward. Their responsibility was to move with him. If the, the cloud uh, remained still for a long period of time, they would camp for a long period of time. If it was a short period of time, they would camp for a short period of time. But when that cloud moved, their responsibility was to move with God, move with the cloud. Great uh, Christian scholar that I had the pleasure to know, a man named Judson Cornwall, wrote a book entitled Let God Arise about Psalm 68. And in that book, he imagined a scenario of a wife being fed up with the constant moving. And she says to her husband, when the cry of let God arise went forward, and he says, honey, we have to break up camp. She says, oh, no, not on your life. I have had it up to here with the constant moving. I've just gotten us comfortable where we are. Well, we need to stay here. And so she was adamant and insisted, and so he said, okay, honey. And so as their friends and, and family and the rest of the nation moved to the next campsite, they waved goodbye and they stayed there. But it wasn't long until they began to feel the intense heat of the day because they weren't under the cloud that had protected them. And then at night, they felt the cold chill of night because the pillar of fire wasn't above them anymore. And as they're shivering, the wife says to the husband, don't, don't you worry, you'll be happy, I'll fix you breakfast tomorrow. Breakfast always makes things better, doesn't it? So she goes out in the morning to gather the manna, the food that God had miraculously provided for them, only there was none. 
And they realized that the manna only fell in proximity of the cloud of God's presence. How long do you think it took that couple to head out, break up camp and head out in the direction that the rest of the nation went? Not long. You see, often Christians are like that couple will experience a genuine move of God and then subconsciously live as though they have experienced all the revival they need for the rest of their lives. They go to church, maybe. <laughs> Remember the day when you could just assume that Christians would go to church on a regular basis? I, I mean, I'm just an aside. But anyway, they go to church, they try to live by the Bible and treat everyone else well, and they feel satisfied staying perpetually at a given level of spiritual maturity and development. The problem, however, is that God is constantly moving, constantly doing something new, something fresh, continually desiring to take them to a new level in Him. As I've said many times in this series, God is on the move, constantly. And church, thank God for what He's done in our church and in our lives and in our families, but can I tell you something? Can I let you in on a secret? We're not there yet if you know what I mean by there. Spiritually speaking, and, and, and I, I say this respectfully because I know I'm in the presence of a, a number of mature believers, spiritually speaking, we haven't arrived yet. God is still on the move. There's more for us. And wherever there are hungry hearts, listen, wherever there are hungry hearts, God will send a new wave of revival that will surpass the revivals of the past. He's doing it right now. God is moving. We mentioned the Asbury Revival in Asbury College in Kentucky. You may have heard that that revival has spread to other colleges and universities. Texas A&M, Indiana Wesleyan, LSU, to name a few. And other colleges, a number of other colleges and universities, many that don't even have regular chapel times. See, it's not limited to just a, a, a chapel service as happened at, at uh, Asbury College. There are outdoor prayer meetings. There are student-led baptisms. Amen. God is moving. God is working. And, and, and it, it doesn't matter what anyone says. When God wants to move, he moves. The question is, are we ready to move with him? Or are we going to be like that couple in the wilderness? says, no, I'm, I'm satisfied where I am. I'm satisfied with my spiritual uh, level of maturity and development. I think I've gone far enough. I'm just going to stay where I am. God help us. God deliver us from that lackadaisical, that, that, that malaise that settles over us. We need to be hungry, church. We need to be thirsty for a fresh move of God. God has done marvelous things. We can look back on wonderful revivals, but God is not done. Hallelujah. God wants to move in a fresh way. God wants to move in a fresh way in Harvest Church. I can tell some of you and a few of you were here how, how God moved so powerfully in our church 25 years ago and the amazing things God did. And, and, and we've shared that before and, and sometime I'll share it again. But you know what? I'm more interested in what he's going to do now than what he did 25 years ago because God is still on the move. Hallelujah. Are we ready to move with him? Are we ready to follow the cloud? Are we ready to go where he wants to take us? 
The first dynamic of revival is that God is moving. God is moving. Oh God, help us to keep in step with you. Help us to follow that cloud, that pillar of fire. Help us to remain where you're moving, to, uh, to flow with you, to move with you. Each of us, I believe it, I respectfully say it behooves us to get along with God and say, God, help my heart to be sensitive to you. Help me to be sensitive to a move of your spirit. Help me to respond. Help me to be hungry. Help me to be thirsty. God, I want to move with you because I know you're moving. Hallelujah. First dynamic of spiritual revival among God's people is God moving. What's the second dynamic of a spiritual revival? It's opposition dissolving. Opposition dissolving. Latter part of verse 1 uh, let his enemies, let God arise, let his enemies be scattered, and let those who hate him flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melts before the fire, so let the wicked perish before God. Inevitably, when God moves, there will be opposition. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when. Uh, David here uses three different Hebrew words to delineate those who oppose a move of God. First, he talks about the enemies of God. Let his enemies be scattered. The Hebrew word for enemy here is oyeb, which fundamentally means adversary. In 1 Peter 5, 8, the apostle said, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy or adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Paul in Ephesians 6.12 said, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There are spiritual forces at work. There are enemies of God at work against a move of God and against us. But how do we respond to that? Well, the proper response to knowing we have these kinds of spiritual adversaries is not to be afraid, nor is it to spend all our time rebuking them. You know, some people see a devil behind every bush, and that's all their life is about, is rebuking the devil. We give the devil too much attention sometimes. Well, he's there, he's real, he's an adversary. But let's just rebuke him once and move on, amen? and give God the glory. Say, Pastor Tim, why are you saying that? Because the proper response to understanding we have such spiritual adversaries is to move with God, to bathe in His presence. What happens then? Well, the psalm tells us His enemies are scattered. I love that. How do you get rid of darkness? You turn on the light. You see, all darkness consists of is the absence of light. You don't go into a room and just say, oh, there's so much darkness. How am I going to get rid of all this? Darkness, go away. You don't do that. What do you do? You flip on the light. The darkness is gone. Amen? Amen. Someone said the answer to darkness is not to fight it, but to light it. Hallelujah. I love that. As John 1.5 says, God is light in him, there is no darkness at all. When God moves and the light of his presence shines, hallelujah, darkness has to flee. His enemies have to scatter, hallelujah. Second category David talks about here is haters of God. He says, let those who hate him flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. David for, here uses the Hebrew word 
uh, for hate, sane, which means to hate personally or to be hateful or utterly odious. Now we commonly think of those who hate God as being outside of the church, and certainly uh, many who hate God are. But church history has shown that the most serious inquisitions, persecutions, and religious oppressions have come from inside the church world. That's a historical fact. Many in the church, especially in areas of leadership, hate it when God moves, primarily because they feel they will lose control. I've seen it happen. So what's the fix for that? God moving. God moving. Just like a gust of wind or even a gentle breeze causes smoke to dissipate, so a genuine move of God causes the haters to, to move away, to go away. No matter who likes it or doesn't like it, I say, God, move among us. Let's set the stage for a revival and see God move, and those who are opposed will flee like a momentary puff of smoke. What's the third category of the enemies of God? It's, it's designated here as the wicked. It says in verse 2, As wax melts before the fire, so let the wicked perish before God. The Hebrew word translated wicked here is rasha. In his book, Synonyms of the Old Testament, Robert Baker Girdlestone says that rasha refers to the activity, the tossing and confusion in which the wicked live and the perpetual agitation which they cause to others. The word wicked in this verse is as concerned with wickedness as with the wicked person. The moral wrongness of those who live in wickedness affects a host of others, whether it's the suffering of the addict's family and acquaintances or the burden society bears from those who assault, murder, and steal. Wickedness is all around us. However, David declares that the fire of God's presence melts the effects of wickedness just as a flame melts wax. What's the answer to the wickedness all around us? More God. God moving. The purity of God's spirit. And I love what the psalmist says. He said when God is moving, when God's fire is burning, it, uh, the, the wickedness melts like wax before a flame. Hallelujah. All the powers of hell, all the wickedness in the universe can't stand against a move of almighty God. Hallelujah. The answer to the enemies, the haters, and the wickedness that oppose God is more God. More of his presence, more of his power, more of his love, more of his holiness, more of the move of his spirit. I've referred to the five-year Brownsville revival in Pensacola, Florida. And there was very severe criticism of that revival, not so much from the world, but from inside the church world. I've seen criticism online of this latest Asbury revival saying it wasn't a move of God for this reason and for that reason. And, and uh, can I tell you what the leadership of these revivals and many countless others who have uh, endured criticism uh, from inside the church world have done? They've done the right thing. They've just ignored the critics and kept pursuing God. That's the answer. When God moves, opposition dissolves. His enemies scatter. Those who hate him are driven away like dissipating smoke and wickedness is melted by the fire of his presence. Mark it down. Whenever God moves, whenever there's revival, there will always be opposition. Always. 
is this really of God? I, I don't know. I see this and I see that. Listen, and in any revival, there are imperfections. You know why? Because people are involved and mistakes are made. But you know what? The fact that humans are involved and, and they're imperfect and they make mistakes doesn't negate the fact that God is still moving. Amen? Amen. God is moving. And opposition, opposition uh, dissipates. It dissolves in the presence of God. We say, God, just continue to move. Just continue to move. Just continue to work by your Holy Spirit. What's the third dynamic of spiritual revival among God's people? I love this one. It's saints rejoicing. Saints rejoicing. And by saints, I hope we know this by now, church. Saints doesn't mean somebody who's necessarily dead. <laughs> we are the saints. Amen? We are the saints. The, 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 the ones, the people of God are the saints. Verse 2, uh, verse 3, excuse me, says, But let the righteous be glad, let them exult before God. Yes, let them rejoice with gladness. Okay, I, I'm, fair warning right now. I'm about to, I'm about to get, get into your business a little bit, okay? All right, I, have everyone, I, I saw heads look up. I, got, I have attention. In contrast to the forces opposing a move of God, David pictures the righteous as celebrating it. Now, righteous is a legal term. It means to be in right standing with God. Those who are right with God celebrate the fact that God is moving. David uses three different Hebrew words to describe the celebration. I want to share them with you. First, he says, but, in contrast to the, to the enemies of God, but let the righteous be glad. The Hebrew word samach, uh, translated here, be glad, usually refers to a spontaneous emotion or extreme happiness which is expressed in some visible or external manner. This emotion is usually described as the product of some external situation, circumstance, or experience. A spontaneous expression of emotion. This is a perfect word to describe David's actions as the ark was being brought to Jerusalem. 2 Samuel 6.14 says, David the king now danced with all his might. It, it, so to be glad here, he said, let the righteous, because let the righteous burst forth in spontaneous celebration. Visible, expressive, exuberant celebration. Then he says, let them exult before God. The Hebrew word translated exult, get this now, is from a root word that means jump for joy. Let them jump for joy. Hallelujah. At a move of God. And the third Hebrew word is found in the phrase, yes, let them rejoice with gladness. The phrase rejoice with gladness is from a root word meaning to be bright and cheerful. So what do we have here? We have a spontaneous, visible expression of joy and of gladness due to some external event. We have uh, a, a, a gladness that causes us to jump for joy, and we have a rejoicing that causes us to be bright and cheerful. That's the prescribed response of the righteous, the people of God, to a move of God. And then throughout the rest of Psalm 68, I don't have time to delineate each and every aspect, but throughout the rest of the Psalm, David gives reasons for the saints to celebrate God. Among them, he fathers the fatherless. 
He leads his people. He wars against his and our enemies. He dwells with his people. He sustains his people. He chastens and then restores his people. He avenges his people. He promenades amidst the praises of his people. He strengthens his people and he reigns over all. Hallelujah. We have something to celebrate today, church. Heard a story about a gospel song, a song that we've sung here many times, uh, most likely saved the life of a 10-year-old Atlanta boy. A boy named Willie Myrick was in his front yard, bent down to pick up some money that had fallen on the ground when somebody grabbed him and threw him in a car. Uh, while the car was driving away, the little boy began to sing that song we sing, Every Praise. Every praise is to our God. Every word of worship in one accord. The driver got mad. He said, told him to shut up. He said, quit singing that. And he started singing louder. The driver cussed him out. Will you quit that? He sang for three hours. Finally, the, the guy pulled over and let him out of the car. <laughs> the praises of God very likely saved that young man's life. Hallelujah. Later on, he got to meet uh, Hezekiah Walker, the author of that song, and they sang the song together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's power in praise. There's power in celebration. Hallelujah. Psalm 66, verse 2 says, Make his praise glorious. Well, Pastor Tim, I don't you know, like to be ostentatious. I like to, you know, be um, reserved. The Bible says make his praise glorious. Does glorious sound like reserved to you? It doesn't to me. Psalm 100, the first five verses, it says, Shout for joy to the... Did you know it's okay to shout? Per Psalm 100, shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us. And we are His. We are His people. The sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving. And His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Praise His name. For the Lord is good. And His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. I don't know about you, church, but that is a reason for shouting today. Hallelujah. That is a reason for cutting loose today and praising Him with our whole heart, with passion. Let the righteous rejoice. We need to understand the power and blessing that comes from sincere exuberant praise to Almighty God. The Bible gives us many ways to praise the Lord. Singing, clapping, shouting, dancing, playing instruments, etc. And within that biblical framework, we need to cut loose and worship the Lord with enthusiasm. We need to celebrate. Now, I know some of us are more excitable than others, but can I, can I just say this in love? I believe some of us need to learn how to cut loose a little bit. I'm saying this respectfully, uh, but, but very, very sincerely. It's okay to raise your hands. It's okay to give a righteous shout unto the Lord during a time of praise. Did you know it's okay to dance before the Lord? It's okay to leap in His presence. It's okay to celebrate. It's okay to let your, your, your love for God and your praise, and to let it show on the outside. Hallelujah. Glory to God.
We're too timid. We're, what are we afraid of? What the people around us are going to think? Listen, they're, 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 either, they're either being exuberant and celebrating with us, or if they're not, you know, that's between them and God. Well, are we afraid of what the world thinks? They call us a bunch of holy rollers? Some of you have to Google that phrase or ask your grandparents about it. Are we afraid of what the world thinks? Can I tell you something? They think we're nuts already. You could be as quiet as a church mouse. They're going to think you're loony for even being here. Is that the truth? You know, you, 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 you go to a, 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 a football game or a, a sports event. You go, I, I, bet, I, I would like to be a fly on the wall in some of your homes when your team scores a touchdown. Some of you very reserved, quiet people in church. See you leaping off the couch and knocking your food all over the place, your football snacks, and getting excited and getting hoarse because you raise your voice so much. I'd love to see that. Can't we do that for God? Can't we get that excited for God? Can't we celebrate God moving? Can't we get excited about the love and the grace and the mercy and the power and the move of God in our midst? Hallelujah. Come on, we need, we, we, need to, we, need to, we need to seriously think about our attitude toward the things of God. We need, we, we need to learn to cut loose. I'm not saying be somebody else or do something, but, but just give vent to your emotions. People say, oh, well, I, you know, that, you Pentecostals, oh, you're all about emotion. Well, you know, we have heard that since the beginning of the Pentecostal movement over 100 years ago. And yes, we Pentecostals are emotional. But it's not, it's not a wild emotion based on fluff. It's an emotion based on the revealed word of God. And God made us emotional creatures. And the scripture here, I just shared it with you. David t tells the righteous, the, the people of God, to let their emotions loose and to praise the Lord, to not hold back. Come on, church. We need to cut loose. We need to cut loose and give glory to God. Hallelujah. So what are the dynamics of a spiritual revival among God's people? First of all, God moving. God is moving. Pastor Tim, well, I just really don't feel anything. Well, well God can help us. We need to pray a prayer say, Lord, make me spiritually sensitive. Make me sensitive to a move. Make me sensitive to understand that you're doing something new and something fresh. And God, I want to move with you. God, I want to flow with you. God, I'm tired of being in the same camp. I'm tired of being at the same level. I'm tired of being in the same place. Lord, you're moving. Lord, you want to take me somewhere. And God, I want to move with you. Come on, that needs to be our heart, church. We see opposition dissolving. They're going to be haters. They're going to be enemies. They're, 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 there's going to be a rising up of wickedness. But as we said, the antidote to that is more God. God, you move. God, let the, let the power of your spirit drive them away like smoke is driven away by a wind, like wax melts before the flame of your presence. Hallelujah. God, let the haters hate. Hallelujah. We're going to pursue you. We're going to flow with a move of God. And the opposition's going to dissolve. And thirdly, the saints celebrating. We need to let loose. We need to give vent to our praise. 
The scripture says that God inhabits the praises of his people. He dwells in the midst of a praising people. You want to draw the presence of God, you let loose with heartfelt, sincere praise. And I'm not talking, listen, I'm not talking about, you know, some people do so in a way, and they may be sincere, but they draw attention to themselves and they're trying to stand out. Uh, we're, we're not talking about that. We're talking about doing things decently and in order. But there's a time, amen, to be quiet. There's a time to be reverent. But there's a time to cut loose and to flow with the body and to celebrate the goodness of Almighty God. Hallelujah. Amen? amen. I've convinced about... Half of you, I'm sure. Amen. But let this word of God, if, 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 if you're kind of on the fence, I encourage you to go home and sometime this week, go on Facebook or YouTube, watch this sermon again, not to hear me again, but to let the word of God sink into your spirit that God is moving, opposition is dissolving, and the saints need to be celebrating the goodness of God.